Well, good morning uh, to all of you this morning, whether you're here in person, whether you're watching online, it's great to have you join us this morning. Uh, thank you so much to our musicians. If you weren't feeling the spirit of Christmas up till now, I think you probably are now. They did a wonderful job of leading us in some great songs this morning, just really kind of bringing us focused in on the traditions, the wonder of Christmas. And I don't know if you realize this, but there's actually two schools of thought when it comes to Christmas music. So uh, on the subject of Christmas music, two schools of thought. There's, there's those that believe that Christmas music should not be played until the day after Thanksgiving at the earliest. That's when Christmas begins. Then there are others who believe that Christmas mu music should be played the moment Hobby Lobby start putting out their Christmas stuff which I think is July 15th. And um, so a lot of people have been listening to Christmas music for a long time. A lot of you have been listening to it just for a few weeks now. But uh, I did a little bit of research this week and I found there's actually several websites out there that have done surveys to discover our least favorite Christmas songs. And uh, there's a lot of different surveys, but it's amazing how many of the same songs show up on several different surveys. So if you're watching online this morning, you can type your answer in the comments. I'm going to have a little bit of audience interaction here this morning. Um, somebody give me a shout out. What, one of your least favorite Christmas songs. You're like, oh, I don't want to hear this again. Anyone? Come on, get brave here this morning. This, what's wrong? Jingle bells. Okay, yeah, jingle bells. I uh, don't want to hear jingle bells again if I hear it one more time this Christmas. Any others? Christmas shoes. That actually features on several of the lists I came across this week. Christmas shoes. Uh, Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Uh, that's that just very unpopular one. Santa baby. Um, I'm going to upset some of you this morning. Um, some of you are going to be mad at me because I have to be honest, one of my least favorite Christmas songs, it comes on the radio quite a lot. I turn the channel when it comes on, is Mary Did You Know. I know, I know, I knew I would get that response. I'm sorry, what kind of pastor am I? Stop at the welcome desk on the way out. We've got some flyers for other churches in the community. Um, I'm sure you'll love them. But I, I just I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's got like a country element to it. Maybe that's it. I don't know if it's just because uh, I've heard it too many times, but it just isn't my cup of tea. And I apologize. But the reality is the message of the song is fantastic. And I want to talk a little bit about Mary this morning. It's our Last Sunday before Christmas, and what better story to finish on on this Sunday morning is the story of Mary and her journey to Bethlehem and the birth of Jesus. Because the title of our series that's led us up to Christmas this year is called A Simple Christmas. And the reason we've called it A Simple Christmas is because for many of us, this Christmas will look a little bit different than Christmases before. There may be less um, in-person shopping than you've done in years gone by. Uh, maybe you've done a lot more online shopping. Maybe your gatherings as families won't be quite as large as before. There probably haven't been as many activities like pageants, Christmas parties as, as years gone by. So this Christmas for most of us is going to be a lot simpler than usual. But for Mary... When we look at the story of Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus, and the entire story upon which Christmas is based, we discover that actually it was the least simple experience that could be imagined. In fact, it was the most complicated, disruptive, chaotic experience imaginable. 
This morning we're going to look at a passage that this week will be read probably by millions of people around the world in church services, families gathered around Christmas trees, because it's found in Luke chapter 2, a wonderful, wonderful passage of Scripture that just focuses in right in on the story of the birth of Jesus. So Luke chapter 2 verse 1 says this, At that time... The Roman Emperor Augustus, he decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Caesar. So Luke introduces us to this man by the name of Augustus. He was the um, emperor following Caesar. Uh, Rome up to this point had been full of strife and chaos and, and all sorts of things. But Augustus is credited as being somebody who brought stability to the Roman Empire. He actually took it from a republic to an empire. Uh, he was uh, credited for beginning a 200-year period known as Pax Romana or Roman Peace. Uh, throughout his time, his 40 years in power, whether it was through military conquests or alliances, he built the Roman Empire to where it spanned from Britain all the way across to India. Every part fell under the Roman Empire. He was very well known for some of his contributions to the Roman Empire. The postal service came under his lead, uh, police, fire departments, there was all sorts of things that grew through his leadership. He was a very well-respected, a great leader. And one of the things he was most famous for was introducing this idea of a census. He decided that across the entire Roman Empire, every 14 years, there should be a census. The purpose of the census was to learn the name, the occupation, the property and the family of every single citizen for, you've guessed it, tax purposes. 2,000 years ago, that's where it all kind of began. And that very first census appears in the birth of Jesus, the story of the birth of Jesus. In chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, it explains the impact the census had on the people of that day. Verse 3, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. So we look at this story every Christmas, but let's just pause for a second here and, and really just focus in. Let's pretend we've never heard this story before. And let's just imagine how disruptive and chaotic this had to have been in the time of Mary and Joseph for this very first census across the entire Roman Empire. The whole world, as they knew it, was affected. People would have had to shut down their businesses to travel to the place that they were born. Everyone was disrupted. Families were separated for months at a time. I imagine that there were some who were very impressed by Rome's organisation and this, this magnificent plan they'd put together. They were probably um, thinking, man, this is really quite incredible. But there were others who were upset by it. They felt this was a little bit of an overreach by Augustus, complaining about how invasive this census was, concerned about what the Romans would do with all this information. I'll bet back then there were some Facebook groups started, titled Not My Caesar, uh, full of people striking fear into one another about uh, the dangers of this census and what it might do. And then there were probably other people who were posting articles um, of studies that were done by experts of how um, well put together this census has been and how beneficial it will be to the Roman Empire. 
So we can't really relate to this at all, can we, this morning? I mean, we've got no idea what it must have been like to have been alive in the time of Joseph and Mary. But the reality is there are some similarities, aren't there, between our experience of the last year and what Mary and Joseph must have been going through, the chaos, the disruption across the world that this census created. And even though the angels had come and and appeared to Joseph and Mary and explained the, um, the significance of this baby that was about to be born, I don't know that they fully realized in the midst of all of this chaos and disruption that God was at work. In the midst of all of this chaos and disruption across the Roman Empire, God was at work. So Joseph left the town that he was in. He took Mary with him, went back to the the place of his birth, O little town of Bethlehem. Verses four through five says, he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee and he took with him Mary to whom he was engaged who was now expecting a child. Now some may be familiar with this, but this was about a 75 mile journey Nazareth, where they left from, was 1,200 feet above sea level, but the journey would have taken them down through Jericho, 800 feet below sea level, then up to Jerusalem, which was a climb of about 3,600 feet in 15 miles, then those last few miles to Bethlehem. Normally, this 75 to 80 mile journey would have taken the average traveler somewhere between three and five days. But obviously, uh, Joseph is traveling with a very heavily pregnant Mary at the time. Do you know what I was horrified to discover this week? As I was preparing for this message, I was horrified to discover that because Mary and Joseph were poor, there is a strong likelihood that they wouldn't have owned even a donkey, that Joseph and Mary would have made this journey by foot. There was no donkey that Mary rode on. Horrified. I actually shared with my wife that I was going to be telling that. She's like, are you sure? You need to check. I'm sure it says in the Bible somewhere that she rode a donkey. So I checked, and it doesn't. And I'll tell you why I was horrified. Not because she was pregnant and had to walk all that way, but because when I was in grade school, I remember being in the school nativity play and all the parts were cast. And do you know what I got? No, I wasn't even the donkey. I was the guy who had to decorate two yogurt pots. Uh, I think you guys have those over here. They're called yogurt pots over here. But in England, they're called yogurt pots. I had to decorate these two empty yogurt pots because during the song, um, Little Donkey, Little Donkey on the Dusty Road, I was the guy that made the sound effects for the donkey, the clip-clop of the donkey. My teacher assured me it was a very important role. (laughs) And I discovered there was no donkey. One of my favorite lines from Elf, the movie, if you've seen it, is when Buddy confronts the mall Santa because he knows he's not the real Santa. And he says, you sit upon a throne of lies. I want to go back to that grade school teacher who assured me that my part was very important and reminder, that's a throne of lies you sit upon. There was no donkey. I was clip-clopping for no reason. So the very first time there's a census, Of all the times this could have happened, Mary, heavily pregnant, finds herself on this treacherous and tiring journey to her husband's town. And I just think she had to be questioning God. She had to be asking God, really? 
Of all the times you could have chosen, this was the time you choose for me to have a baby? Not knowing that in the midst of all of this chaos and disruption, God was at work. Verses six through seven says, while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. So finally, they arrive in Bethlehem and of course, everyone is returning to their hometowns at this time to be counted. There's nowhere for them to stay. So they find shelter in a place normally reserved for animals. Some historians say this may have been part of the house itself where the animals were. Some say it was a a stable out behind a house. Others say it could have even just been a, a cave where the animals would go to feed. We don't know for sure which of those it was, but we do know for sure that it wasn't the best place for a mother to have a baby. And that the very first resting place for her baby son was a manger, uh, a, a small thing that was used to feed cattle, to hold the food to feed cattle. 20 years ago, Casey and I had our very first baby, our son Ben, our oldest son. And um, it was a, a, a difficult birth. Casey had a long labor. So by the time we left the hospital to come home, we were both exhausted. Uh, her a little more than me, but we were both exhausted. Um, we got home. Ben was super fussy. He wouldn't sleep very well. He would only sleep if you held him. He cried a lot. So I remember that first night at home, we were kind of taking it in turns, but it got to like four or five in the morning. Neither of us had any sleep. We were both exhausted. Ben was crying. We were just at our wits end. And we had a friend who lived a couple of streets away and we just called her. We're like, hey, is there any way you could just come over and just hold our baby? (laughs) Just sit with him for a while, just so we can get a few hours sleep. We are losing our minds here. And she was brilliant. She'd had some kids already. She's like, absolutely, I'd love to help out whatever way I can. She came over, she took Ben. We were able to get some sleep. It was just so great to have a friend like that. About two years later, we said, can we have him back now? I think we're ready. And she was... It was difficult because she kind of got attached to him, but she's like, okay. So she was great for those first few years. Mary is miles from home, miles from any friends, any family. There would have been a midwife in the town in which she grew up. There was no midwife around here. So all alone, Mary finds herself in a stable with just animals for company. And she has to be wondering in the midst of all of this, God, where are you? This was the time you chose for me to have a baby, but in the midst of the chaos and the disruption, God was at work. You see, years later, Mary would would finally realize what we get to realize hundreds of years later, now that we're very familiar with that Christmas story, exactly what was going on. The role that God was playing in this whole miraculous story. That this wasn't an accidental situation. This wasn't an out of control situation. This chaos and disruption. This was that God was right in the middle of all of it. You see, 700 years before Mary had Jesus, 700 years earlier, there was a prophet whose name was Micah. And listen to what he declared 
when referring to the Messiah, the, the, the person who would one day come to, to become the king of the Jews, to rescue the Jews, this, this promised Messiah that God had spoken on for, uh, of for years and years and years, 700 years before this, Micah says these words in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. 700 years before the birth of Jesus, God prophesied through Micah the prophet that Jesus will one day be born and he'll be born in this small, obscure, back of beyond place called Bethlehem. Think about it. A little longer in Nazareth, a little less chaos in the world. And Jesus could have been born comfortably at home. And the prophecy would never have been fulfilled. For Mary, it would have been a much less chaotic experience, a much less disruptive, a much more comfortable experience. But she would have missed and we would have missed the plan that God had in place. So instead, she encounters all of this chaos and this disruption, but God is at work. So what must have seemed like the most challenging time of her life ended up putting her exactly where she needed to be. For all the stars to align, literally in the Christmas story, I mean, the wise men, they followed them. All this chaos, all this disruption, taking her 70 miles from her hometown, away from friends and family and the support system, giving birth to a baby alone in a, a stable, outside of a house with just animals for company. Everything about it just must have seemed so wrong to her. But God was right in the middle of it. And in the midst of that chaos and disruption, God was at work. And I think for me, as I study and prepare for these messages, sometimes I think, how can I find anything new in a story that I've been talking about as a pastor for many years now? But what I fail to remember is that God is amazing and can speak new things to us all the time, but also that sometimes we read things in a different context because of what we're going through in our own lives different stages of our lives as, as young people who are still single, as married couples, as parents, as grandparents. Every stage of our life brings new knowledge and new experiences and new context. So the, the stories of the Bible come to life in new ways. And this year, as I was preparing for our Christmas series to share yet again the wonderful story of the birth of Jesus, it was through the context of having lived barely through 2020. In fact, I came across a video this week uh, that I'd like to share with you that just kind of shows you um, in video form how 2020 has been for all of us. So if we can hit play on this video, uh, this really just kind of sums up 2020. So I don't know where this is. It's a security camera feed somewhere in a place where it's very cold. This road is completely iced over. And I feel like the lady in the backpack is us, Okay. She is us, and our goal is just to get through 2020, all right? We, we just want to get through the year, okay? All we've got to do, December, top of the hill, right by those steps, if we can just get there, okay? 
But it just, yeah, it just is hard work. We're going to put the mittens back on again. It's just, it's just been a really difficult, chaotic year. And every time we think we've made just a little bit of progress, and okay, I'm just starting to get the hang of this. I'm feeling like 2020. Okay, I've, I've figured everything. Oh, no, no, no. We're, we've been locked down again. Everything's changed. We're going, there we go. We find ourselves all the way back to where we started. In fact, some of us have given up. Some of us have been like, you know what? I've had enough. We can't even give up. We can't even get out of the, we get back to where we started from. This poor lady, <laughs> no idea who she is. There she goes again. And it kind of sums up the year we've had, doesn't it? <laughs> it kind of sums up the chaos and disruption of this year. But I want to tell you that in the midst of the chaos and disruption, God is at work. In the midst of the chaos and that's what I figured as I was kind of reading about Mary and the birth of Jesus and the chaotic, disruptive time of the census and everything, everyone in the world was affected by it. And we get to see that in a new way this year because we've been involved in something that everyone has been affected by. And in the same way that in the midst of the chaos and disruption, God was at work, the prophecy was filled. I have to believe that in the midst of the chaos of disruption of this year, that God is still at work. And that we may not realise yet what God has done in our lives. We still may not realise what God has been up to in our lives this year. Here's why. When Jesus was born, Mary was all alone. We assume that Joseph was there in the, the stable, in the room with her. He may have been off looking for a midwife. We don't know. But we know at the very most, the company she had was Joseph. That's it. No friends, no family, no midwife. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes. That was normally the job of the midwife. And uh, in, this day and age, in that day and age, when babies were born, they were wrapped very tightly in swaddling clothes. And uh, it was because the, the, to prevent hypothermia in those first few hours of the baby's birth. It was a traumatic birth, miles from home, chaos and disruption. If that had been the end of the story, if that had been all that had happened, it would have been a very sad story. But God was involved. And here's what I figured out this week. Here's what I learned this week as I was studying this passage. It wasn't until after the birth that the angels appeared. It wasn't until after the birth, until Mary had gone through all of this, that the angels appeared with the announcement to the shepherds. Luke tells us about it in the next passage in, in, chapter, in verses 10 through 12. He says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today... Not next week or in a few weeks. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah of the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, cloths, and uh, lying in a manger. The angels are describing something that has just, has literally just happened. They're talking about a baby that just hours after being born, Mary has wrapped in swaddling clothes. And, and the angel like, that's, that's where you'll find him. Here's the incredible thing about this story. Mary, all alone, gives birth to Jesus. The angels appear nearby, announcing the news after the birth. And eventually the shepherds come and share what they've seen. Here's the message of hope that I want to leave you this Christmas time. A message of hope in the middle of this simple Christmas in the midst of what's been an incredibly difficult year for all of us. The message of hope that is in the midst of the chaos and disruption, God is still at work. And I believe 
because I see it play out in the story of Mary. I believe that God has been at work in our lives this year, maybe more than we realize, maybe in ways that we haven't fully understood yet. And we can look around at the chaos and the disruption and all the things that are going on in our world right now, but secretly behind the scenes, God has been at work. And my message of hope and encouragement and comfort to you this Christmas time is the prayer that not only has God already been at work, but the angels are aware of what God's done. The angels have proclaimed that something great has happened in your life this year. In the midst of all this chaos, God was still able to do something incredible. And the angels are aware of it and they're, they're declaring the victory of what God has done. And it may be days, weeks, months. I'm not sure how long it'll be, but I hope and pray that at some point the shepherds will show up in your life to testify, to share, to, to, to explain to you that, that you will come to that same realisation that I think Mary must have come to in that stable when the shepherds arrived and described the scene they'd just seen on the hillside, that everything was for a reason. That this has all happened for the promise and the purpose that God had revealed to Mary in that angelic visit in the early parts of her pregnancy. And I hope and pray that in the same way, you may not see it now, but there will come a point in the future where you will look back and realize that in the midst of the chaos and disruption, that God's been at work doing something incredibly special in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for sending your son into the world. We, we could gather today but we would gather without a sense of hope because, Lord, it's the hope that Jesus brought into this world that means that we can gather today and, and gather in your presence. Hope and joy and love and peace and all those thoughts of Christmas because, Jesus, you brought these into the world. And, Father, sometimes we, we look back at the nativity sets and we look at this Christmas story and it just seems so... Um, well put together and so clean and such a great story. But the reality is for Mary, it was a disruptive, chaotic time in the middle of a chaotic and disruptive world. Kind of a little bit like how our lives have been for the last year. And yet looking back, we see just what an amazing miracle that took place that could only have happened if it weren't for the census, Mary wouldn't have been in Bethlehem. And if Mary wasn't in Bethlehem, the prophecy wouldn't have been fulfilled. You were at work, even in the disruption, to have your plan come to be. And so, Lord, I pray that we would see that in our lives, that even in this disruption, you've been at work in our lives, and that we would see what that is in the coming days, weeks, and months, how you've been at work in our lives. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.